Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Beautiful day. Praise the Lord. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, I have some things here for you. I have, uh, you know, I, I, I like to say I built my house, but I had somebody build my house. You know how that goes? Because I'm not real good with tools. Uh, since Ryan has been in my family, I've, I've gotten a lot more tools as gifts, which is nice. Because I think someday he gets them all back is, is kind of how that works. <laughs> so praise the Lord. Uh, but in, in building a house, I, I've, I've been through that process, and, and there's some important tools. So let's talk about it here just for a second. We all know what this is, right? This is a level, and uh, it also ha- happens to have a, a ruler, a yardstick on the side. A uh, very important tool. If you want your house, if you want your house to stand up very long, uh, that's a good tool to have. Um, in that same family would be what this is. A square, speed square, and so you can not only make sure that it's level, but you can also make sure that, that things are at the right angle and, and all squared up. Also, an equally important tool. Um, the all all powerful, you know, everything, do everything, right? And uh, we drill and we screw holes and and so forth. Powerful tool, the drill, uh, hammer. You can't build a house without one. I mean, you can't. I mean, some of you use the size of your, the side of your crescent wrench as a hammer. I know, know that. But this is what a hammer really, a hammer really looks like. And then, of course, the saw. I was going to bring a power saw, but I was afraid I'd cut somebody's finger off with it. Uh, but this is the good old hand saw. And unless you have a saw, you're just not going to be able to build a house. So these are, these are uh, uh, five pretty important tools. Of course, there's more. Um, but we'll start with these. And so my question is, which of these is the most important tool to building a house? No, 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 not all, not all of them. There's one that's more important than every other tool. Level, hammer. Me? No, that's not one of the tools. I am a tool, but that's... Uh, that's not, that's not how this works. No, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the answer. The most important tool. It's singular. The most important tool happens to be the tool that you need at that moment. I uh, I'm gonna take a few minutes today to talk to you about the ministry and about the church. It's a teaching sermon, so if you want to take some notes, do that. There'll be some things on the screen for you to take a look at as well. But I was saved at 22. I didn't give my life to the Lord until I was 22 years old. I went and began my Bible education at age 23, less than a year later. By the time I was 26, I was a senior pastor. So in three years of ministry school, I was already senior pastoring. Not advisable uh, to do, but it's, it's what, it was the path that the Lord had for me. And so by the time I was 26, I was pastoring. Now, fast forward 33 years, I've been at this as my life's mission 
a pastoring, leading the local church, not teaching on foreign mission field, not in a para-church organization, in the church, leading the local body for 33 years. That's a long time to do anything. And so I have a, a few things I want to talk to you about, share with you about, if, not, if, you've, if you're new to the church, not just this church, but the capital C, the body of Christ, there's some things that you need to know about how the church works. And um, I think it's going to be enlightening to you I uh, have a few things I want to share with you statistically. I know they can be a little bit drab, but stay with me because they're impactful, okay? One out of three pastors, one out of three pastors state that they are burned out after the first five years of ministry. The average tenure of a senior pastor in a church is three years. The average senior pastor lasts in a church for three years. The number one reason they, they cite is the lack of support from church members. The percentage of pastors who say that they've experienced severe depression is 45%. Percentage of pastors whose marriage end in divorce, 48%. The percentage of pastors who would leave the pastorate if they had somewhere else to go, 70%. 80% feel they are unable to meet the needs of the job and believe that ministry has negatively affected their family. 51% of pastors are currently thinking about quitting. 90% of pastors report that they work 55 to 75 hours a week. And after 10 years of ministry, one out of 10 remains. Those are some pretty stark figures for what I do. Think about that. After 10 years, one out of 10 makes it. I've lasted 33. Probably because I'm not the brightest bulb in the package. <laughs> but I'll tell you what it is. I, I attribute it to the grace of God. And here's why. When you hear that 80% of the pastors want to quit because they don't feel that they can do the job, I don't think they were appropriately trained in what the church is supposed to be. So here's what happens. You get saved, you get in love with Jesus, you go, man, I, I think God's calling me to be in the ministry. And so you go to the ministry, you go to ministry school, or you go to Bible college, you go to seminary. Is that me preaching back at me? That's so awesome. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and they teach you the nuts and bolts. Right? They teach you how to have a nice, organized service. And they, they really should teach you some other things. And I want to tell you what my understanding of how the body of Christ functions and should function. And this is the environment that we have here. If it's unfamiliar to you, I, I want to introduce you to it. And that is called the fivefold ministry. Now, the fivefold ministry... Uh, includes five particular gifts that have been given to the church. They are apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or pastors, and teachers. And they have a job, and that job is to train and equip others and then delegate those responsibilities to them. If you do not have these offices and or these anointings, and we're going to delineate that here in a minute, an operation not in the church universal, though it's needed, but on a local level, what you'll have is the statistics I just gave you. So I, I can't do it. 
They want me to, they want me to pioneer the church, then they want me to be prophetic, then they want me to re- lead this study, and then they want me to make sure that everybody is comfortable in every hospital visit, and then I need to teach a vacation summer, and then I gotta do that, and I'm doing all five gifts by myself without anyone else stepping up And because we love in our heart, the reason we got into ministry was what? To help people, to love people, to make a difference. Of course, you just keep saying, yeah, okay, 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 we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. And then somewhere along the line, there is the proverbial straw that is placed on the pastors. And I use the word pastor because it's the ubiquitous word that we have for this person that's up here, like leading the service, the pastor. But that's really the nomencl- a misappropriation of the nomenclature that we're talking about because you know, though I am pastoral and though I do shepherd and though I do teach and though I do apostolic things, you probably know by now my primary gift is not pastoral. So, we need all of these gifts at work in the local body. Which one's the most important, Pastor? The one we need at the moment. The one we need at the moment. And so the scripture that I want to share with you this morning, if you're unfamiliar, it's in Ephesians chapter 4. And this is where the Apostle Paul is talking about um, the church and these gifts. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live your life worthy of the calling you've received. This is Ephesians 4.1. Be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Now the Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Keep reading, though. But each of us, grace has been given as Christ appropriated it to us, verse 7, verse 8, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, get the picture, lived, crucified, buried, resurrecting, and now ascending, and as he is ascending, he says, I'm giving you these gifts. As when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. What gifts? Keep reading. Verse 11, It was he who gave, gave, gave these gifts, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and shepherds and teachers. I got to stop right here. I got to stop right here. Some of you, I'm getting some pushback in the spirit realm right now. Okay. Well, you know, prophets, there was this one prophet and he did this thing and it was so stupid and da, da, da. There's this guy, he said he was an apostle, whatever, you know, If you go to Longhorn Steakhouse and you get a bad steak, do you never have another steak the rest of your life? I think not. So if there's been some evangelist who did something stupid in a service or some pastor, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, these are people, these are offices that do exist in the body of Christ. I'm gonna share that with you. And there are also anointings that you walk in as well as I walk in. So let's keep reading. And why, verse 11, there are all those gifts, pastor, shepherd, teacher. Why were they given? Verse 12. These gifts were given to prepare God's people for works of service so that they could go do stuff. Why? So the body of Christ could be built up. How long? Until we reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That means they didn't stop. That means they still continue to be given. 
Why? Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth, waves blown here and there, every kind of wind of doctrine, cunning, craftiness of men, their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That's Christ. From him, the whole body is joined together by every supporting ligament, grows, builds itself up in love as each part does the work. Father, help us today to have a deep understanding of how you have fashioned, you've made the church and how the church is to be led. In Jesus' name, amen. Fivefold ministry, apostle, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. We, we, if you take the first letter of each of those, it spells the word apest, which isn't really a word, but sometimes they can be a pest, these people in your life. So that's how you're going to remember that. And so what I decided early on in ministry, when I got this revelation um, by help of uh, some mentors in my life, says, Eric, if you want longevity in the ministry and you don't want to be a statistic, you, wanna, you don't want to be one of the nine that drop out after 10 years. You want to last longer than three years at any local congregation. Is that you're going to have to learn what the fivefold ministry is all about. You're going to have to identify what your gift is, Eric, and then bring people around you that don't have your gift. This is very difficult for some leaders to bring people around them that aren't like them, to bring people around them that don't have their gift because then they can feel intimidated that they have something that the leader doesn't. It's a very, it's a very cerebral thing, but you all kind of understand what I'm talking about. And so we have these gifts. But here's the problem uh, with an American church, at least, oftentimes, is that a local congregation, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking to the church universal, the teaching message, is that you, they, they get this person, they hire this person, whatever, that's called pastor, that may not be their primary gift, but I haven't seen people taking, you know, <laughs> you go to the, pastoral search site. They're not saying they're looking for an apostle. They're not saying they're looking for, a, for a, a prophet to lead their church, right? But some people have those as their primary gifts, and they end up, you've all been in a church where the teacher, where the pastor, his primary gift is teacher. What does he do every Sunday? He teaches. And every once in a while he preaches. You've, you've also sat under pastors whose primary gifting is evangelists. What do they do? Man, they cast that net every, you get so sick and tired. Pastor, can't you see there's four of us here? We're already all saved. Why are you, <laughs> right? It's like every week, the evangelism, the, the primary gift that comes out of that person is evangelism. And so they stand up as the pastor, pastor so-and-so, but their primary gift, you understand what I'm talking about. So we just, we clump them all together. We say, oh, they're the pastor. But we need to understand that that's not really how it was all set up. That God said, here's some gifts that I'm going to give you that are help going to grow and mature the church. And they are the uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And so if the church puts all five of those expectations on one person, an unknowing, unwittingly involved person in that scenario, what will happen is they'll, they'll say yes to every demand and they will burn out and they will be unhappy, and they will be bitter, and they will either quit or you will fire them after three years, and after 10 years, they won't be in the ministry, they'll be selling cars or insurance. Why? Because their primary gift is to 
Uh, maybe their primary gift is evangelism and, and the natural gifting. That, or maybe their primary gift was pastoral and they got fired, so now they go work in a nursing home. They're still using the primary gift that they have, but they're just doing it in a venue other than the church because the church put unrealistic expectations on this person. Do you know if you expect a fish to climb a tree, he will be the most horrible person in your sight? It'll be the stupidest animal God ever created if you expect a fish to climb a tree. Now, if you say, a fish is supposed to swim. Yeah, well, look how good he does that. So isn't it interesting that we have, like Dr. Nichols when he comes, what do you think Dr. Nichols' primary gift is? He's a teacher, right? And sometimes this is why I stand up, I give introductions to people. Hey, like our guest that's coming for the Fivefold Conference, um, you're really going to enjoy him, but he's not a pastor. So don't put pastoral expectations on him or you're going to be super offended. You'll be super offended. So you have to know the gift that's being given to you in order to appreciate it, right? Okay. So I want to talk to you a little bit about how verse 12, 11 and 12 works, these five gifts, the anointings that began in the mind of God. Then he brought them here to, to earth. So here's how it begins. <clears throat> All of you on some, in some place, whether in grade school or high school or college or just because in life, at work perhaps, they put you through a personality profile. They put you through a personality test. Anybody been through one of those things? And, and whether it's, uh, uh, my wife likes the one, I think Dr. Dobson back in the day did it, where you're a lion, a tiger, no, a lion, a, 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 a golden retriever, a beaver, an otter or something else. And, you know, the, the busy beaver or whatever. And there's all those, those types of things. The sanguine or choleric, right? Then you've got the, 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 the color one, which is your golden, your blue, your green, etc. In high school, I took the Myers-Briggs. You know, I took the Myers, that was an old one back in the day. I actually cheated on that test. Um, <laughs> I, I confess. That's the first time I've ever said that publicly. I cheated on that test. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. Number five. I mean, the, the, the guy in the class is giving a IQ test and he has the answer sheet on, his, on the teacher's desk and he gets up and leaves the room. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> There's another one. And I was, he sat me right next to him because I was a troublemaker. Anyway, so I was like, right there's the answers. I'm a freaking genius. <laughs> According to the Myers-Briggs test, uh, then there's the strength finder, the Rorschach, uh, the personality assessment, uh, the Winslow personality profile, then DISC, I don't know if you know that one or not, dominance, influence, steadiness, kind of, all these types of things. But what the, all those tests do is they try to put other words to what God has already created. Those gifts which are primarily apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, or teaching. Those gifts are the archetypes, they are the... They are the ones that everything else falls underneath. So whether you've taken one of those other tests or not, I'm going to help you, help you today, perhaps, find where your life falls in one of those five categories primarily. So let me explain. We're all created in God's image, right? So because of that, we have aspects of his nature at work in us. In Ephesians 4, it says that these gifts were given, but... In effect, they were re-gifted. You know what a re-gift is? We got one as a wedding present, didn't we? 
It was re-gifted to us, but they had left the card on the inside. It was already re-gifted, right? So it's to somebody else. So, they got, so you, you get a gift and you go, oh, that's nice, but I don't really have a need for it. So you put it in the basement or you put it in the closet until that time you need a gift and then you get it out and you give it as a gift. But remember to take the card out that, that they gave you. So what Jesus was doing is he, he gave these gifts, he re-gifted these gifts to us. They were created in the mind of God. God is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher. Can I get an amen for that? He's just not, he's just not whatever is needed. He is all of those all of the time. God is. When Jesus was on earth, Jesus was all of those all of the time. Then when he ascended, as I pointed out, at his ascension, he said, these gifts I'm giving the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teacher. So if you expect all of those to be embodied in one person totally like God the Father or Jesus the Son, that's an unrealistic expectation to put on anyone which will eventually crush them. So you have to say to yourself, okay, what is the primary gift? Let's, let's watch this. This is powerful. This is a life lesson. Honor what they are without tripping over what they aren't. Because it's so easy to find fault, isn't it? Well, she didn't do that, she didn't do that, she didn't do that. But that's not her, her primary, this is not an excuse for you to be rude or obnoxious or anything else, but you have a primary gift and I wanna help you find that today. So, the five archetypes, as we talked about, I'm not gonna rehearse them all for the sake of time. But the father, he is the apostle, wasn't he? The master designer. He was the prophet that manifests holiness, the evangelist that sent Jesus. I mean, talk about the master evangelist, God the father. He sent his son. And the shepherd, loving father who cares for his flock. He is the teacher of teachers, not just the word, but the rhema word and the logos word. So those, all of those in, are the embodiment of who God is. Then Jesus came as that embodiment as well. The five basic archetypes demonstrated by Jesus. Apostle, what did he do? He established the kingdom. Speaking truth to evil of his day was his prophetic edge. Seeking and saving those who were lost, that was the evangelist at work. He called himself the good shepherd. He was constantly caring for people. And he was the teacher, constantly teaching. Matthew 5, 2 says he began to teach. Matthew 7, 29, because he taught. It is one who had authority. Luke 4, 15, he taught. Matthew 7, 28, and the crowds were amazed at his teaching. He was all of them in one juggernaut. God created the gifts, then Jesus manifests the gifts, and then he regifted those to who? To all of us the body of Christ. He redistributed them. So the providence of the artifact is that there is a, there's a record of who had these things and who delivered those things, right? So if you have a, let's say one of these things, uh, uh, or you have, have, have a, uh, um, Mm, a antique, you have an antique at home or you bought something that was very valuable at an auction or something like that and they give you the provenance of that. That means they tell you who owned it, how long they owned it, when it was sold and it was sold to this person. Well then it went from, from, from that person's house to another person's house and it was put on the Mayflower and then it came on the Mayflower and landed at Plymouth Rock and then, it was, and then that's, that's how that thing is tracked, is traced, it's provenance. Well, there's a chain of custody on these gifts. It was he, Jesus, Ephesians 4.11, who, 
who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, shepherds, and teachers. Who gave it? Jesus gave it. And why did he do it? To prepare God's people, verse 12, for works of service. Every personality test is built upon the presumption that these universal gifts and abilities come with the human race. In you is some level of apostle. On a scale of one to 50, it might be a one, may not be a 50, but in your life, you are somewhat prophetic. In your life, you are evangelistic as a Christian on some level, one through 50. A shepherd and a teacher. And, and I struggled with, with, with putting this in words, and so it's a little bit theological in the statement, but, but bear with me. It's just a short paragraph. Every effective church involves a community of disciples. Every effective church involves these learners, us, whose worship is centered on the lordship of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, built on the fivefold ministry to live, connect, grow, and go. That sounds like fivefold ministry. Where? Everywhere. Empowered to be what? Priests and ministers. That's you and me. And then lead to a decentralized, organized structure. That's the best reflection of God's original intention for his bride. So I got to be clear. These gifts right here, you, you may not like them or you've been burnt by them and this is very unusual to you. you. You don't feel comfortable with this. I'm here to submit to you today that there is no other way to effectively run a good church. Now there are churches, there are churches that are very apostolic, that maybe are not very strong shepherding or teacher or prophets. And rather than an IQ, it could be a, 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 a it would be the way that you would judge the effectiveness of a church. How apostolic is the church? How prophetic is the church? How evangelistic is the church? My, 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 one of my primary gifts is not evangelism. I am evangelistic and I have an evangelistic quota in my mind, in my life, just like you do. You have some of But when Ryan comes to me and says, man, we want to do four block parties every Friday night during the month of August, I'm like, man, that sounds like a great idea. Let me help you organize your gift, your passion. Let me, let me get on board with this idea that you've got and let me help facilitate that. And I'm okay with it not being my idea. But not every church is that way. It has to be my idea and you be quiet and I'll take your idea if it's good enough or whatever. No, I am here to help you identify your primary gift, your call in life, and then just throw gasoline on it. This is my responsibility as in leadership as according to Ephesians 4.11. These gifts have been given to all of you, not just me, not just Hannah or Ryan or Aaron or Joey or Aaron or, or, or Jeremy or whoever or Levi. No, these gifts have been given to all, all, all of us. They're giftings. They're anointings. Now, there are those, and we'll talk about those in a minute, that there, you, may, you may say, there may be those around you who say, man, that is who you are a la Levi Vincent. Levi, uh, Levi, you know, said, listen, I don't want to work a nine to five. I just want to love the city of Springfield. I want to go out and hit the streets. And Saturday he gets, I don't know, 20 people to help him. And he's down there leading praise and worship and praying over our city down at the, down at the state capitol. Not because it was my idea. I mean, that's not in my mind to do, but that's in Levi's mind to do because he loves the city and his heart is evangelism, Right? And by the way, you should really support him in what he does because it's amazing. 
So, so my job is, and when Levi says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go do this, I said, that sounds awesome. Let me help you facilitate. Let me help you get that job done. Somebody said, I, I want to do this. Let me help you get there. This is what needs to happen in the local church. And one of the reasons I believe that I've lasted 33 years is because I want to help you do what you do you. I'm not the only priest in the room, ladies and gentlemen. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And you need to go do and operate in the anointing that God has gifted you. And be okay that it's not what somebody else walks in. And be okay if someone else puts demands on you that aren't your primary. Yeah, I might be able to do those. I could do that. And I could do that. But, but my sweet spot is what I'm doing. And by, but don't be intimidated by people that do other things. And then don't feel like you got to do everything everybody else is doing because God's given you something to do. That's the ability to say, no, that's just not, that, that, that's just not me. I'm going to, but don't use an excuse not to do something. You best be doing something in your primary gift. Like if you're a connect group leader, it's a good idea to have some shepherding skills or teacher skills. But if, you, if your primary gift is a prophet, and I've only known one person whose primary gift was a prophet who had a successful connect group. Chris and I know who this is. He, he's, he's an anomaly. He's a freak of nature. But most prophets would just kill all their people. Sinner, 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 sinner. And then they don't come back. Pastor, I don't have anybody in my connect group. Well, surprise, surprise. But there is no plan B. This is how God has said the church should be led. Are we clear? All right. This, this is not a curse. This is the cure. This is the cure. So um, you all fall in one of those categories. So I want to teach you some revelation here and help you discover your gift mix. And I want to affirm those gifts in you. There is, there is an online place where you can go. And they have, uh, um, and I, this is, and I don't, you know me well enough, I don't do this but maybe once or twice since you've known me, but I'll give you a website you can go to to take a spiritual uh, a test where these five gifts are concerned. Take a picture of that, 5qcentral.com slash test. It costs $10. If you don't have $10 and you still want to take the test, then take the test and I'll bring it to me and I'll give you your $10 back. That's how important I think the test is. It'll help you. And what it does, it just identifies, it's a snapshot, it's like a poll. And they're not right and wrong answers. It says, would you rather, you know, it's a preference test. It's like all those other tests that you took. Except at the end, now it's going to put, say, your primary gift is apostolic. Or your primary gift is prophetic. Or your primary gift is teaching. What that'll help you do is say, oh, oh, that, that's why I feel like that at church. Or that's why I do what I do for my living Right, because if, let's say your primary gift is teacher, you might be a teacher in the real world or you might work in a big company where you're teaching about the product. Or your primary gift is an evangelist and you work for IBM and you're, and you're out there selling uh, printers all day long. You're, you're an IBM evangelist. Get it? That's how it works. And so I would consider you, uh, encourage you to take a look at that. And it'll help you explain the differences between um, the gifts and the anointings of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So, we're talking about the anointings. I'm not talking about the person who is a pastor, the person who is a prophet, the person. Listen, 
I get, I'm called Eric. Some of you call me pastor. That's fine. Um, a rose by any other name. You know this phrase? You know this saying? A rose by any other name smells just as sweet. So what you call me doesn't change who I am, right? So it's Pastor Eric or Eric. That's all good. Um, but I just have a little bit. I, 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 okay, I, I can't do that. I don't have time. I'm not here to talk about other people. All right, so if you're an apostolic person, listen, or all of you listen, and I'm gonna read through some descriptions of all five of these very quickly, and you're gonna begin to say, oh, okay, that sounds more like me. Apostolic people are visionaries, they're paradigm shifters, they're uh, cultural architects, system thinkers, problem solvers, imagineers, commissioner of people, innovation risk-taking people, organizational designers, cultural architects. In the real world, business world, you might be an entrepreneur. You might be a business owner. Prophetic people, speaker of truth to power, religious and secular, brings words of knowledge, intercessor, worship leader, whistleblower, calls to repentance, holy rebels, speaker of truth. Somebody in the real world might be involved in ethics or a lawyer or quality control seeing what's right and what's wrong and speaking to that. Evangelistic people, messengers, seekers, savers of the lost, inspirational, invitational, recruiters, storytellers, spreaders of the message, communicators. In real life, a recruiter, public relations, salesperson, journalist, the shepherd, caregivers, peacemakers, helper, servant, reconciler, establisher of community, Relational glue creates a place of healing and peace and protector. A nurse, a counselor, a waiter, a waitress, policeman, a first responder. And the teacher, an instructor, a discipler, a coach, fosters learning, culture, developing, resources for learning, articulate in theology, provides for instruction, a writer, philosopher, thinker. In life, maybe a coach. An engineer, a writer, debater, instructor, a worker in the legal field. You say, wait a second, Pastor. I wasn't one of those. I was two or three of those. Right, that's my point. But one of those is primary for you. You have all five of those that work in your life. But one of them is your sweet spot. One of them is what you do and you love to do it. That God made you that way. And you don't have to worry about the, the, the personality test at work or all those other, yeah, do those. And, but at the end of the day, these five gifts are the archetype of every personality trait that you've run into. Now, there are good points for every one of them. And there are bad points for every one of them. If one of them is your primary gift and you just want to bring comfort to people and you want to, Pastor, we just got to comfort people, we got to comfort people, we got to comfort people, but then you're not instructing them and you're not teaching them, like today is a very teachy kind of thing, right? If, if, all, if, I'm, if I'm the, and, and this, is, this, is a, this is hyperbole, but the evangelist that comes in and just throws out Twinkies, mm, and ho-hos, and ding-dongs, and Fig Newtons for everybody, and soda pop, knee-high orange for all, let's drink it up, it's great, toss up. You know, Pastor, you need to have him back more often. Yes, but you can't have cookies before dinner every night. Well, you're just a killjoy. The church should have more of him. Of course you want more of him. We all want ho-hos and ding-dongs for dinner. 
or most of us, some of you weird, weird, weird kale people. It's not even a food. Right? So this, this, is, this is how it works in real life. Uh, baking flour, flour on your counter, flour in your cupboard, and you scoop out a, 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 a cup of flour. Wouldn't that be horrible? That'd be horrible. Remember, was it Rocky who cracked eggs and on top of the refrigerator like a dozen of them? And, and uh, what do you get from eating raw eggs? Salmonella? Yeah. Sarsaparilla? No. No. Nobody wants to guzzle down half a dozen eggs. Nobody wants to drink dry flour. But you know what? If I had flour and I had sugar and I had some milk and I had some eggs and I mixed them all together, put them in a pan and then put them in the oven, you'd all be all about eating the flour, right? Because they're all together and they're working together. Can you put the sermon slide itself back up? I'm not going to address this particularly, but there's a beautiful picture where you have apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and they're all their gifts, and they're all touching one another. And they're all, thank you, that's a great slide. Thank you, Aaron. And they're all together. That, that is how the church is supposed to look. That's how the church is supposed to look. Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine, Coast Guard, Space Force. We need them all, right? The Marines don't think so, but everybody else appreciates all of them. How many players on a basketball team? Which one's most important? The one who has the ball, the one who, the one, the, the, right? The one at the moment. Well, the, the, the best one is the tall guy, the center. No, he's not the best. Well, it's the guard. No, no, it's the fort. No, it's the one who has the bond, the one who needs to have it at the time. That's the most important player. In a company, the sales team thinks they're the most important. Research and development, R&D. Then there's the accounting firm, right, Rich? If we, if we don't know how many beans we have and we have those specifically counted, how do you even know how many you can sell? Salesmen would be nothing without accountants, right? Right, says the accountant. <laughs> Salespeople would be nothing without accountants. Then there's human resources. There's the purchasing department, right? They're all important. So those are the anointings. Now let's talk about the offices just for a second. Those people who this is their primary gift and it's what they do in the body of Christ like what I do or what um, people in what we'd say full-time ministry do. I want to talk about apostles for a second, uh, and they have some good characteristics, visionary thinking, they're motivational, they're very comfortable crossing boundaries, uh, they're intellectual, social or cultural, entrepreneurial spirit, starting something new is energizing to them, they make e decisions easily, they pioneer new endeavors, they're strategic decision makers, their innovative approaches to solutions are wonderful, the, uh, they're uncomfortable with the status quo, that's typically someone who's an apostle. And as I said, every gift has some wonderful, and I'm here to highlight positives, not negatives. But you know, there are people, okay, let's say it like this. I'll give you an example. 
One of the problems that there is in seminary today is they're run by teachers. I love teachers. I think teacher is an important gift. But here's the, here's the hiccup and the giddy up. Every gift, every gift, every gift thinks their gift is the most important gift. So if I and my little gray matter and my little brain of mush goes to seminary and maybe I'm primarily apostolic, maybe I'm primarily evangelistic, maybe I'm that, who is teaching me? Teachers. And how are they teaching me? They're teaching me like teachers teach. And what gift do they think is the most important gift to, to, to impart to me? My ability to parse Greek nouns, Greek verbs. I sat in classes like that. And to know, yes, it's, those things are important to know, but they're way down on my list. But the teacher emphasized his primary gift to me for my four years of undergrad. To where I came out, I was a teacher assistant. I'm like, okay, I can do that. It, didn't, it, did, it was a suit of clothes. It didn't, suit, didn't fit me well. But I'm, I was good at it. And, and, and so I excelled at that, but I never felt comfortable in that until I got a hold of this. And I'm helping you in a number of ways. Expectations on who's in front of you. What the, noticing what their primary gift is and say, okay, that's the gift that's talking to me. Right? And identifying these things in your own life. And because they think they're the most important, then they think that somebody needs to carry their Bible for them and wait on them hand and foot. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that. And I, I don't like that. Because the greatest is the servant. Then you have the prophet. The question, the normative. They disturb common thinking. They agitate for positive change. They seek to ensure the authentic response to truth. I got to stop and say for a second about this, about uh, prophets. They don't live very long. That's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> Prophets don't live very long because there's only one bubble that says that's right. That's not right. That's not right. That's not. You're going to die and go to hell. There you go. Now you're on the bubble. <laughs> Prophets don't live very long. Let me tell you this. The 12 apostles, they didn't die because they preached love. They died because they preached truth. Big difference. And so... We won't spend too much more time on prophets. You, you are self-identifiers. Self we figure you out pretty quick who you are. And that's good. It's great, 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 great. We need prophetic people. They have some wonderful, they have some, they have some not so good sides, just like apostles do. Prophetic people can be a bit mm, irritating sometimes. Yes, I know, I know. So the prophet comes to the pastor. Hey, look at that. They're not doing it right. And da, 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 and God's going to judge us. And, da, 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 and, da, da, da. and the pastor goes, just be kind. Can you just love them? Can, you, can we just love on them? The teacher says, well, you know, if we'd show them in scripture exactly how it was supposed to be. Da, 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 da. See? But all of it's needed. And as long as we do it in love, it's going to be great. Then there's the shepherd. Oh, we love the shepherd. Why do we love the shepherd? Because he loves us so much too. We all, that's why we call, that's why we like to call this person the pastor. We're trying to project on them, take care of us, please. Don't push us too hard. We're sheep. We're sheep. We're tired. 
We don't need that prophetic stuff all the time. And, you know, go take a mountain. Yeah, 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 pastor, whatever. No, no, we need somebody just going to say, you know, <laughs> you know, pass out my pillows to all of you and, and, and you know, discounted slippers and nice, nice sheets from Giza. Their primary directive is to what? Love the people. Individually and collectively. Providing care, concern, cultivating loving, mature relationships. To be aware of dangers. Oh, look out. That's the pastor. No, careful, careful. He's a sheepdog. He wants other people to be connected to the body of Christ and some really great, great things about pastors. We love pastors. Then pastors can be a little bit, mm, there's some, like, come on, man. Get a backbone. Stand up. Take a stand. Why you got your mouth closed all the time? You should speak up about the prophetic person. You should speak up about those injustices. Pastor, don't rock the boat, man. People fall out. We don't want anybody to fall. You don't want anybody to fall out of church, do you? Right? That's the pastor heart to protect. But the prophet saying, you need to get out of there. I need to, yeah, yeah. And you can, you can, I hope you can sympathize with the individual in the, in the former category I was talking about, one individual trying to do all of these, and then voices from the congregation with a prophetic voice, and, a, and then the, he's like, I can't, I can't make any of them happy. I can't make any of them happy. I can't please anybody. So I'm going to go do my own thing, and takes his gift to, to the secular world. Last one's the teacher, the imparter of ideas. Translates complexities to simple teachings. Systemizes solutions with process, effective communicator. Encourages exploration into thinking towards solutions. Core issue, surprise, surprise, education. And so here it is. You all have a primary anointing. Now some of you might be called to one of those offices. I think some of you might be, and you've been running from it. And you think... Man, this really woke me up today. I mean, I was in a service like this. I was sitting on a pew. All right, about where Will's sitting, right down there. I used to sit in the first or second row. That's where the crazy people sat. <laughs> my pastor, my pastor was an apostle. And he was a go-getter. And it was stirred me. And I, I, I got to go do that. And I wasn't really called to be a, a pastor. I wasn't called to be an apostle, any of those things. My call from Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's what was my call into ministry. Go learn of me. So, okay, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm a, I sold everything. And me and my wife moved to Minneapolis, sight unseen, and started, started in a school that, that was before the internet. We didn't even know what the place looked like when we got there. We just showed up to learn. And while I was there, the unfolding revelation of God said, you know, I want you to go be a pastor. I said, no, that doesn't sound, doesn't sound right, Lord. That doesn't sound right. He goes, I said, most people, they, they're going to go be a youth pastor for a few years. They're going to figure that out. Then they'll be a senior pastor. And then da, 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 da. He goes, no, I'm calling you to be a pastor. I want you to be a pastor. I said, okay, I'll go do that. We, we toyed with the idea of, of teaching in some other places. Because I do love to teach. And so you may be here today and you say, man, I've just never been happy doing what I'm doing where I'm doing it. But then maybe you're called and, and no one's ever recognized that in you.
I want to affirm that in you. But not, I totally get it that we're not all called to do what I do or what Levi does or Hannah or Ryan or Aaron or any, any of those other, other staff. That's what they do. No, but you do have an anointing. You have one of these anointings that work in your life. And if you're in a job that isn't allowing you to, to demonstrate that primary gift, you feel, you feel angst about it and you feel irritated about it because it's not, you go and you go, I'm not able to use my creativity here. I'm not able to use, to speak like I need to speak or whatever. Then you need to maybe consider finding a different job. Well, you can have that job for the rest of your life, but you're not maybe functioning in your primary gift. That's in your workplace. But in the church, you take, you take an evaluation and you come to me and you say, pastor, look at this. I did, I, I now, now I, man, my primary, my primary gift is evangelistic. I'm going to go, man, that's awesome. We need evangelists in the church. Let me hook you up with the block party. Let me hook you up with Levi. Let me begin to facilitate that thing that's already in. Well, I'm a, I'm a teacher. Well, let me, let me, well, young kids, old kids, what, what, what's your, let's, let's take that gift that God has re-gifted to you through Jesus and let's use that in the church. So, well, I'm a, I'm a, Whatever. I'm sorry to pick on Rich. Rich is an accountant. Rich helps us with, with books, like at the Dream Center, stuff like that. Right? So there are ways for you to use your gift. Well, I'm a plumber. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of uh, Brian Cook. Where's Brian? There's Brian. Brian's actually a pipe, a pipe fitter by trade, but he's also a wonderful plumber. Using those gifts for the church. Well, I'm a photographer. Well, I'm an electrician. Greg's a elect retired electrician. He helps us do things or helps us figure things out. You know? So you all have a gift. I know some of you have a gift of hospitality. That's, that's a, that's a sub-gift sub of pastoral. You just, you just love entertaining and helping. Then there's ways for you to, 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 I mean, there's just so many ways for you to get involved in the church. And it's through identifying what your primary, what your primary gift is. We all got to work together. If you don't, there's problems. Because we're a body. And in your body, what do you have? You have five basic systems. The nervous system, digestive, cardiovascular, immune system, and the muscular skeletal system. If my bones decided not to be here today, it would not be a pretty picture. <laughs> right? I'd just be this big blob of gelatin on the floor here. Or if my lungs decided, you know, I, I, I don't want my, system be, want my system being, no, we need all of you. Now, go back to, yeah, we can use that. So I, I got to close. I got a lot of other things that I could tell you. Oh, man. But um, your gift has got to be used in the local church. It just has to. I told you that the health of a church can be determined on how well they f function in each of these five categories. I've told you that. Is the church apostolic? Is it out on the floor doing what it needs to do? Is it prophetic? Does it speak the word of God to the community? Is it evangelistic? Is it reaching the lost in the community? Is it S, is it shepherding? Is it creating a community that brings people together? And T, is it transferring truth clearly? Is it teaching? So you can judge how well a church is doing based on those five categories. Now, churches function without one or two of those. Like, we can cut out one of your lungs and you'll still breathe. You can give away one of your kidneys. We can poke out your eyes and cut off your ears and cut out your tongue. You're still going to be okay. But you're not going to be able to perform to the
to the fullness of what you were designed by God to do. Because you're, you know, you're missing, you're missing a, ha- a, l- a lung. So the, f- the, body, the body of Christ functions without you doing what you're supposed to be doing. But just think how much better we all could function together if you stepped up and said, you know what? It doesn't sound like much, but I like to be hospitable. I love hosting people or whatever my gift is. If you want to know how to give up, you want to, <laughs> someone said, you want to give your pastor a heart attack, you want to get rid of your pastor, y'all show up one Sunday and tell him you want to serve. <laughs> pastor, what can I do? Three words that I'll just lay them out on the floor. What can I do? Oh, let me tell you, we can use you in greeters, we can use you in ushers, we can use you, set, listen, I've said, and I'm, I'm done, I'm just rambling now, I'm vamping. You know that. I said, listen, someone wants to be in ministry from now on. What you need to do, you need to sign them an internship before they ever go to Bible school. And for six months, all they do is they come to every meeting an hour early. They come and they stay an hour late. And all they do is set up chairs and they take them down. You know what that is? That's servant. And if you don't like to serve, listen, you don't belong in the church. You should really have an attitude adjustment because we're here as servants. Not, a, not to, to the king. That was a little hard. That was a little, that was a little abrasive. I get that. That's a little prophetic. That's a little apostolic. The pastor would say, we really want you all to serve. We, we need all of you to serve, right? And the teacher would say, well, let me show you some scriptures where we all need to serve. So whatever your gift is, this is my challenge. This is the altar call. Whatever, the, whatever your gift is, please use it. If you have a talent, you bury it in the ground. Oh, I wouldn't want to be you on that day. I'd rather put all the chips on the table and push them across and say, all right, let's do this. My mother-in-law used to make fun of me because she, I was her people. She liked me doing things for her. And, and her, 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 her concept of me was this. Eric thinks... Well, somebody's in charge. It may as well be him. That, that was my mother-in-law's impression of me. But when there's a vacuum of leadership, somebody got to step up. And there is that in some areas of your life. And you need to step up. And you may not do it as good as anybody else, but at least you tried. At least you raised your hand and said, yeah, okay. I, I, I mean, I think of Jill. Jill, Jill Cook. I mean, she, she says, uh, she'll jump in. She'll raise her hand. She may not know how to do it, but she'll learn how to do it along the way. And that's part of her gifting because she was an emergency room nurse for so long. You don't have the luxury of when someone's lung is hanging out of the side of their chest to say, excuse me, let me check the textbook on what we should do about lungs hanging out of the side of the body. That's not, no, you, okay. I'm going to go with my gut, go with my gift, use my, you know. Marsha, Marsha was a court reporter for years and years and years. Marsha comes up to me every other Sunday, not exaggerating, nearly every other Sunday. She goes, I got a question for you. And she has a list. Why? That's her primary gift. I don't say, that's stupid. Would you stop asking me questions? No, it's like, oh, I, I, I identify that in her. Let me throw some fuel on that. Here, get this. I said, get this theology book. Read that. Check this out. Da-da-da-da-da. I'm here to help you. So whatever your gift is, identify it one way or the other, and then say those three words that hopefully won't give me a heart attack. How can I help? Where can I serve? What can I do? 
Why don't you stand up with me this morning? Lord Jesus, thank you. Look at, these, look at these things up here. Thank you for these tools, Lord. All of them equally important. I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. If I'm a hammer, every problem I face is a nail. That's one of the things we've got to be able to look out in our own lives and our own personalities. Right? So, Lord, help us to appreciate other gifts. Help us see other people's anointings in their lives and help them flourish in their gift and their anointing. Father, thank you for re-gifting the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher into the church so that we can grow up and become mature. May we be people of great faith, Lord, that when you return, you'd say yes. They weren't doing it fantastic, but at least they were trying. So, Father, thank you for your grace towards us. And for those here today, God, that don't know you, may this be the day they say yes to your word, yes to your spirit. If you need forgiveness this morning and you're away from God, give your life to Jesus. Say, here I am, God. I surrender. I surrender all. Thank you for the blood that washed me clean. I'm yours today. Father, be with us, your church. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.